A Theater in the Dark presents A Matter of Red Herrings by Greg Garrison. The cast includes Corey Bradbury, Laura Michelle Earl, Greg Garrison, Christopher Meister, Julian Jules Stroop, and Amy Gorillo as Detective Stainless Steel. The show's original music is composed and performed by Paul Sotnik and is produced and directed by Corey Bradbury. The beak wetter runs dry by 4 a.m., but Rye waits for no man the following morning at Bitter Bourbon Stadium. Watley arrives sporting an unfortunate hangover, only to find Steel eating fistfuls of Cracker Jacks. Watley asks the same question pondered by Chapter 6, and the winner is, as the detective and her ward await the dastardly derby from the bleachers. How are you eating right now? I'm almost as anxious as I am hungover. <laughs> yeah, you went down pretty hard last night. That's why I left you the car. I needed to walk. You walked 20 miles? Oh, God. I can't take this. The suspense or the brown liquor? I'm assuming both. The horses have taken their positions. The starter flag is up and ready to drop at any moment. How are you not worried? How are you not hungover? How are you so calm? I like our odds. Besides, I'm less interested in which horse wins, and a lot more interested in which one. And they're off! 23 Skidoo takes the lead from Ponzi, making a pass at Jersey Driver. Hepcat on the outside, pushing Tripod in the rear. Flat device from Hepcat on neck and neck as Ponzi loses ground. Hepcat catches up in the first bend, but in an apparent drug-fueled stupor, 23 Skidoo has crashed through the banisters, wandering aimlessly in the flower patch. Amazing. Oh, get off your high horse. No, that's the high horse. Oh, but wait, Jersey driver matches plot device and sends Skidoo packing. Jersey breaks away. Ponzi fills the gap, has Hepcat and Jersey. Jersey and plot are neck and neck. There's the finish line, and the winner is... And the winner is plot device by a nose. Ponzi places second, Jersey driver third. We are still waiting on Tripod to finish the race. Holy! Okay, I don't want to look stupid here, but this has been a lot to keep up with, and I have no idea who won. I do. You do? Who do steal who won? I do, Watley. I won. What's this? Steel is the winner of the Dastardly Derby? How much did she know? How early? Has this been cleverly laid out or artlessly shoehorned for dramatic effect? Find out more in Chapter 7, Behold a Dark Horse. We take you back only moments to re-establish narrative integrity. And the winner is plot device by a nose. Ponzi places second jersey driver third. We are still waiting on Tripod to finish the race. Okay, I don't want to look stupid here, but this has been a lot to keep up with, and I have no idea who won. I do. You do? Who do steal? Who won? I do, Watley. I won. Perhaps it's time I take you through the whole series of events. Where should I begin? The beginning? Good thinking. You went to the Zip Lighter Agency looking for work, yes? Yes. And when you asked him for a job, Zip himself told you, go see Detective Steele if you need a babysitter. Verbatim. Zip Lighter hasn't taken a case in over a decade. Then who was that I talked to in his office? <sighs> who are you? What have you done with Steele? Wantley, it's me. This is just a fake mustache. Watch. I take it off. That works so well. I know. It's my disguise when I'm at the lighter office. 
And seeing as nobody knows what Zip looks like since he's been out of the public eye for so long, that same number of nobodies are the ones who've caught me at it. But Zip Ryder is a real person. If he ever caught wind of what you're doing, he'd sue you for racketeering. Unless he comes to my doorstep and audits me himself, he'll never be able to prove it. And if he does, I'll finally get his autograph, so win-win! Still, none of this adds up. How were you registered for a race you didn't know about? You were not the only person to come see Ziplighter that night. Vesper arrived before you, I suggested a brilliant detective who goes by Steel, and I had a full day to get ahead of you both. You mean to tell me you got a horse for the derby on a 24-hour turnaround? I know a gal. That won the race. She's from Kentucky. One mustache and my life savings later, I was in. Like my mustache, I was under their nose the entire time. So against all odds and two white stallions, a dark horse won the race. Symbolism is palpable, isn't it? Now for my favorite part, misdirection. You know who he is? No idea. Some poor rube they were ringing for cash, most like. So here's what I propose. Donning my mustache... That is absurdly effective. I pose as Zip Lighter one last time, collect our prize from the wrong brothers, return the red herring to Armand, the French tickler to the proper authorities, and send the cash prize to the only one of us who managed not to cheat. A mysterious Mr. Action. Assuming we get the chance. I'll bet you dollars to donuts those two-bit gangsters are about to skip town in some heap with three wheels. <laughs> Looks like office hours are over. Let's take this job on the road. This is unbelievable. I can't believe that Tosser won. Zip Leiter may have won, but this is surely the handiwork of Detective Steele. Ah. It doesn't matter now. We're ghosts in this town. Oh, but brother, you promised I could tell somebody before we left. Ah. This looks like your chance, brother. Shake them here and let me out. I'll tear their car to goddamned pieces. Ah. A fork in the road! Now we'll never catch him! Use your head, Watley! The wrong brothers went left! Oh, how could you possibly know that? Elementary, dear Watley, because two wrongs never make a right. Oh, oh God! You're right! That's the student maker! Up ahead! That's not a car, Watley! That's Wilhelm! My car? Oh my god! I know! Like a 200 pound blueberry just pop! Now, where's. <gasps> Look out! Rod's climbing that fire escape. I'm going after him! Two steps behind you! <laughs> Damn fishing pole! Ten steps behind you! Go! Go! With Watley tangled in her line, stainless steel spirals the staircase of the Biograph Theater in hot pursuit of the last living wrong brother. Once atop the stairs, Steel freezes at the sight of Rod Wrong dangling the red herring over the edge. Take another step and the next one's between your eyes. That's a cult special you're pawing and you've had your six. I've got you, Rod. Hook, line, and sinker. So hand over the herring. This is all I have left, Lighter. My business is destroyed. My brother is gone. Just give me a head start and you'll never hear from me again. It's not that simple, Rod. I'm not Zip Lighter without the mustache. Steel? Steel? You killed Wilhelm? That is more Henry Ford's fault for making such a sturdy and reliable vehicle, don't you think? I don't nothing. I've got no business, Steel. No brother. And 
nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Don't, don't! But don't! The tourist blows! A cold wind howls and Rod Rong plummets to his death as the red herring tumbles after. Steel's blood runs cold when the herring fades from view, but Watley appears at the fire escape, fishing rod in hand! Oh. Well? Oh! Careful! Careful! Dancing in the moonlight, glistening with abject majesty, the relic the heroes were so desperate to retrieve twirled by the hook of the pole. The red herring had finally been caught. Are you gonna say it? Or am I? Fishing for a compliment? I was gonna say, lucky I lured it back from the edge. Oh, you're really getting the hang of this, Watley. But enough catch phrases. Let's get this back where it belongs. Ooh, I'm afraid we're walking back. We'll take Rod Studebaker. Mae West has been through worse, but there's something wrong under the hood. The mood is jovial for Steele and Watley as the duo make the long drive back to Armand. But arriving at Confidential Avenue, a distracted Steele is late to realize her partner has gone cold. Your first case, Watley. Congratulations! For the sake of our client relationship, we'll say I save the day, of course. Sure. At least we won't be standing in the rain this time. What makes you say that? The door's been shattered to splinters! Steele draws her pistol and Watley wields his fishing rod as the inspectors ascend to Armand's. Slashed cushions and shattered mirrors stand in stark contrast to the Ark of the Coveted, where Armand's priceless valuables once stood, completely intact. The relics removed, a note on its center shelf is all that remains. Stainless steel. The jig is up. I frown upon those that meddle in my affairs, so the gutless worm Armand Valdo is now my hostage. If you hope to get paid before the end of his life, a modest ransom is all I ask. I suspect you are holding it now. Come to Falcone Manor at 2 a.m. with the herring in hand, and there will be no bloodshed. Cordially, Vincent Falcone. Well... At least it isn't complicated. You can't, seriously. He's walking us into a trap, Steel. Like I said, half of this business is playing into the enemy's hand. You never said that. Well, I meant to. Meet me back at the office at one, and we'll make our final play. Meet you? I'm not going anywhere. Great, stay here for all I care. I have business to attend to. Thank you for listening to A Theater in the Dark, A Matter of Red Herrings. Written by Greg Garrison and directed by Corey Bradbury. Tonight's cast, Amy Gorlo as Detective Stainless Steel, Julian Jules Stroop as Detective-in-Training Watley Home, Laura Michelle Earl as Vesperkind, Drake, Newsy, and others, Christopher Meister as Vincent Falcone, Armand Valdo, race announcer, Newsy, and others, Corey Bradbury as Rod Wrong, and Greg Garrison as Wilhelm Wrong and The Narrator. Original music composed and performed by Paul Sotnik. Corey Bradbury and Greg Garrison contributed to the sound design. A Theater in the Dark creates stories through sound, proudly established in Chicago. Hear our other original audio plays at atheaterinthedark.com or join our Patreon to gain access to our entire growing original audio play library. Thank you for supporting A Theater in the Dark.